Hello. In this podcast, we're telling you stories about activism. Activism of the past. Activism that required talent and bravery. But I have a question for you first. What would you do if the devil offered you a lot of money? Like a lot. So much that you would be able to afford, well, basically anything. Would you take it? The devil would offer you fame. Posters with your face would be on every building. You would be loved by the public and the devil himself would be your number one fan. How does that sound? Hopefully, none of us will have to face that choice. Today's story, however, is dedicated to a woman who did face it. It's the story of Marlene Dietrich, German actress who was offered everything by Hitler's government. And not only did she refuse, she became one of the voices of the fight against Nazism. Here we go. Nobody was ever a competitor. Has become well known because of another gracious lady, Marlena Dietrich. They don't make any medal for glamour, which was her other contribution. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Marlena Dietrich. I want to start with a different lady, though. <gasps> lady Gaga. Right, like in 2019, in Las Vegas, during one of her concerts, she approached a married couple in the audience and started jokingly flirting with the husband. But then, she came closer to his wife and kissed her on the lips. As it turns out, she was not the first one to do exactly that. In fact, she was inspired by something that happened in 1930. Marlene Dietrich in the movie Morocco came out to a stunned audience in a man's suit and a top hat. At the time, it was unspeakable for a woman to do something like that. But she goes further. She slowly approaches a young woman in the audience. May I have this? Of course. Marlene asked whether she can have the flower in her hair. And then... <laughs> they kissed. That's when Marlene Dietrich started establishing her image. Image of diva. The image was later endlessly copied all around the world. Marilyn Monroe, Madonna, again, Lady Gaga, all of them were influenced by that image. But she was also a person who was breaking the standards, the normality, never doing what was expected of her. And she lived through the times when everything was enforced. She lived her life in a way that, that was very courageous and she made no secret of her attitudes. That's Professor Cornelia Burian, by the way. She teaches German culture and history in the University of Calgary. She will be guiding us throughout this episode. Marlene Dietrich was born in 1901, um, close to Berlin, um, pretty wealthy family. And very early on, she had interest in the performing arts and she was a stage performer before she became um, a movie star, really, um, a singer as well. So Marlene's big break happened once again in 1930 when she played in the movie Blue Angel. 
very iconic pose of her sitting on stage performing um, that image of Marlene Dietrich became really well known in no time. In the movie, she plays a cabaret dancer in a shady nightclub. At the same time, a teacher in a local school who was notorious for his very strict moral values falls in love with her and they get married. So it was a very daring comedy that she later described as vulgar because, again, she was playing a cabaret dancer. But the movie made her a superstar. So this is 1930s. So we are looking at what's called the Weimar Republic years, the interwar years. Um, it's still a few years before the Nazis come to power. But um, what we have by 1933, when they do take over, one of the first things the Nazis do actually within just a couple of months is they completely restructure the film industry. They establish a so-called Reichskulturkammer. Reich Chamber of Culture. It was basically a union every artist in Germany had to be a member of. But there was one little detail. You had to provide Aryan certificate. So the artist had to go generations back to prove their Aryan origins. Otherwise, occupation ban. The film industry, like many, many other, you know, arts and entertainment um, sectors, really, there were so many Jewish artists who were really forced out. But why would that be of any concern to Marlene Dietrich? She had perfect Aryan origins and even more perfect Aryan looks. It seems like Hitler himself loved this angel with her smoky voice and skin made out of pure marble. In 1936, Marlene got an extraordinary offer from Minister of Propaganda Josef Goebbels. She was offered 200,000 Reich marks for every movie she would make on German soil. To put that into perspective, Mercedes-Benz Type 770, the one Hitler owned, costed laughable 30,000 marks. It was a very attractive offer, but she completely rejected it outright. She did not consider it at all. At the time, that would have been enough to declare her the enemy of the people. But a year later, Joachim von Rebentrop, German Minister of Foreign Affairs, flew to London, where Dietrich was performing, to make her another offer. He didn't even get a chance to talk to her. Her reaction was, in fact, she returned to Hollywood and she became an American citizen. And those were not times where you could have dual citizenship or anything like that. So she um, renounced the German citizenship and became an American citizen. She became the highest paid woman in the American film industry. And as an American citizen, she was now supporting the allies in their fight against Germany. Outside the barracks, by the corner light, I'll always stand and wait for you at night. This is one of the most popular songs that Dietrich sang to American troops on the front line. It's called Lili Marlene, and it's a love song. A song about two lovers who are separated because he has to go to war. For you, Lili Marlene. But originally, it was a German song. Not only that, it was a German war song composed during the First World War. 
later on the song was used by the Nazis and the um, Wehrmacht's channel broadcasted every day to the soldiers in at the front. With me, Lily but here she was, Marlene Dietrich, singing this song to American troops. Her daughter, Maria Riva, remembers in her book about, um, about her mother, Marlene, that um, Marlene Dietrich would always talk about those times as being one of the boys, um, as if she were a soldier You'll at the feel front. Blue, but then will come a love that's new. The times have passed when Goebbels and his Ministry of Propaganda tried to make a deal with the rebellious angel. But Dietrich felt the consequences of the propaganda only after the war, in 1960, when she tried to go back to Germany with concerts. Some saw her as a traitor, which is, um, which is terrible, of course, and which, which also shows, um, you know, that, that many ordinary Germans um, had sympathies for the Nazis and um, wouldn't otherwise admit to that. But I think those kinds of hostile attitudes to Marlene Dietrich show that. But she would still later say, the audience was lovely. It was the press. Concert halls were half empty. The German newspapers wrote that no one needed her in the US. That's why she came back, which was of course a lie, but still. Every time, she would finish her concerts with that iconic, deep bow to the audience. And no matter what, those who came loved her as much as they would an angel who had never left her home country. Marlene Dietrich died in Paris at the age of 91. There aren't really any pictures of her as an elderly person. The final years of her life, she spent hiding from the cameras. It seems like she wanted to preserve that image in our minds. Forever young and forever beautiful. When you use my might, I'm warm again. My pack is light. It's you, Lily Marlene. It's you, Lily Marlene. This episode was produced by me, Artie Sarkissian. Again, special thanks to Cornelia Burian. Professor Burian, thank you very much for your help. Without you, this episode would not have happened. My path is light. It's you, Lily. That's it for today. The next episode, we'll talk about Pete Sigger, his bravery, and his songs. And also, where have all the flowers gone? See you next time.